Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Forever Motorsports on Forever Sports. You're joined by me, Mark, and by Reese as well, who's alongside me here for the weekly F1 podcast. And today's title is The Fact That Red Bull Are Breaking Records. Indeed, they are breaking many, many records after yesterday's win in Hungary for Max Verstappen. Uh, we see Red Bull get 12 consecutive wins in a row in F1, the first team ever to do so, uh, taking away the record from Mercedes, of course. And uh, yeah, it was a great day for them out yesterday. And of course, every Monday we have this show and uh, be sure to come and join us, ask us questions, let us know your thoughts on the last week of F1 that we've had. And otherwise, yeah, we'll just go over general news in F1. And of course, we're going to be going over a little bit of the, the weekend that just occurred before us. Reese, how are we doing? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. And yourself, uh, finally rested up after what was a very long weekend. Um, I do hope, though, that you titled this video, It's Broken, because, of course, Red Bull have broken their, their records. But Lando Norris also managed to break their record-winning trophy uh, yesterday on the podium. He, he managed to smack a champagne bottle, as we often see in his podium celebrations, and that knocked Max Verstappen's uh, porcelain Hungarian Grand Prix winning trophy on the ground and it's smashed into pieces and it's estimated that it's worth about 40,000 euros. Yeah, I know. So quite, a, quite a costly expense. A no, yes. yeah. And uh, for all that money you can uh, supposedly replace it, it's not quite the sentimental value. It takes a while for this for this trophy to be made. So a bit of a... Yes, about four to six months indeed for, yeah. for that trophy to be made by the artist. So quite a stuff up there from Norris. But let's just go very quickly, of course, to that recent news, which is the fact that Hungary Grand Prix uh, was over the weekend. And uh, yeah, so Max Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton to deliver Red Bull uh, their record 12th consecutive win and uh, Hamilton finished in fourth uh, and was so close to actually taking Perez if he just had an extra lap I think he probably would have started to compete with him right there at the top but not to be uh, so Hamilton only finished in fourth. We're currently also sitting on some really interesting stats uh, Max Verstappen is looking for his 44th win and Lewis Hamilton has not won in 53 races so some very interesting stats at the moment yeah I mean that's obviously with their race numbers yeah <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, just going through an article here, just basing off of yesterday's Grand Prix. Verstappen got an excellent start from P2 on the grid uh, to draw alongside the pole-sitting Hamilton and claim the lead going into Turn 1. Lando Norris claimed another second place for McLaren, whilst Sergio Perez pulled off a number of aggressive overtakes in the other Red Bull to finish third after starting in ninth. Perez had to hold off a charging Hamilton in the closing stages as the Mercedes finally came alive again on lower fuel. But the seven-time world champion... Uh, had to settle for fourth on a difficult afternoon where he lost three positions on the opening lap. Oscar Piastri was fifth with his and Norris' results, helping McLaren strengthen their grip on P5 in the Constructors' Championship after Alpine suffered another double DNF uh, after Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon collided as a result of some first corner pinball on the opening lap. George Russell made an excellent recovery from 18th on the grid to finish 6th, promoting uh, promoted a position after Charles Leclerc dropped a place to 7th due to a 5 second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Carlos Sainz was unable to progress after a brilliant start had lifted him from P11 to P6 and finished 8th in the second Ferrari ahead of the two Aston Martins as Fernando Alonso led home Lance Stroll. Daniel Ricciardo recovered from opening lap contact to finish 13th in his first race for Alphatari uh, two places ahead of his teammate Yuki Tsunoda. So lots of very interesting things happened over the weekend and uh, Reese, you know, let's just let's just go very quickly over the race. How was the race weekend do you think? 
Yes, well, I thought it was a very interesting race weekend, of course, uh, off the back of Silverstone, where we've heard that there's been some new tyre compounds that Pirelli have been bringing in, which don't necessarily suit the Red Bulls anymore. I mean, we see that in qualifying, that they have just fallen back a little bit, uh, possibly due to this new tyre compound. Uh, nonetheless, they were able to to take the win yet again with their biggest ever gap to their competitors i think it was close to 40 seconds in the end there mark uh, but once again dominance out on track good day for the mclarens of course with lando norris finishing in p2 oscar in p5 i was a bit disappointed to have seen oscar fall off the podium yet again but there was some some stronger cars coming up through the midfield so i mean we had lewis hamilton on a bit of a a shocking start unfortunately and he fell back to p4 uh yeah but then once again, uh, just I don't think their car is as competitive as they're hoping. It's getting there. It's certainly showing its pace in qualifying, but still lacking a little bit of race pace. There were quite a, a few winners and losers, though, from the race, Mark. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the main losers I'm going to go straight to is that of Zhou Guanyu. Who yes, had... I was going to say, <laughs> major, major loser, unfortunately. Yeah, as I say, he had a brilliant qualifying session on Saturday where he came uh, and uh, put himself all the way up into fifth. I mean, both Alpha Romero's making Q3 was great uh, for that team. They're uh, hoping they'll get going to get some uh, points uh, this weekend, but uh, not to be Jose uh, stalled uh, on, the, on the start. And uh, his entire day just went from hero to zero as quickly as possible. And he uh, finished the race although down in 16th position after being lapped as well by those leaders. So a uh, a terrible, terrible day for him. And in an interview, he said, the elation from yesterday's result, this of course being Saturday, uh, turned on its head and there is no denying that today being yesterday has been very disappointing. We are yet to gather all the information about exactly what went on at the start. I went on full throttle and all of a sudden something went wrong and I had to do the entire procedure again just in order to do a proper start. So a terrible, terrible start for Joe Granu there. And not only that... Uh, he once once he did manage to get the car going, uh, he had to uh, yeah, go and he didn't uh, keep it clean. <laughs> yeah, he had to keep it clean, which he did not do. He went straight into the back of Daniel Ricciardo, who went into Esteban Ocon, who went into Gasly, and resulted in Alpine's uh, removal from the race. So he really did have quite an eventful first lap. I mean, uh, it's in races like this where I I start to agree with people calling for for people who cause a crash. For that team to have to pay for all of the the costs that come in uh, due to that, because I mean, in a cost cap area era, this will cost a fortune for Alpine to go all the way to Hungary, race both their cars, and not even get more than three laps into a race. It's yeah, just mind blowing, really. Yeah, indeed. And we move on though to another winner of the uh, the weekend. That being Sergio Perez in the Red Bull. He managed to start in ninth and finished third had some great overtakes there uh, he almost came under pressure from hamilton at the end there but uh seemingly did well and it just unfortunately frustrates you because you think what would have happened if he had started where he should have been uh near around the top three cars of course on the grid so if he had managed to start there he might have tried to uh, challenge for Stappen uh for that uh, race win but uh, not to be started in ninth but at least got himself onto the podium Perez had this to say he said the track was unbelievably dirty offline so in the last laps I had to pick up I had some pickup going through the back markers which meant I lost a few seconds I recovered towards the end but it was just too late that of course him trying to get to that second position ahead of Norris uh, before then coming under pressure from Hamilton behind him 
Yes, it was a bit of a difficult day out there for Sergio Perez, but nonetheless still showing that he does have that pace in that sister Red Bull car. Something we've been waiting to see for quite some time. He's been off the pace in qualifying, still was off the pace in qualifying this weekend, but is still showing some good race pace at least. Yeah, and now we move to a loser of the weekend, and that major loser again is Alpine. And we've gone over what happened to Alpine, but that's two races in a row now that they have DNF'd both cars. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yes, it certainly is unbelievable. I mean, we don't expect to see both cars in the team getting out in pretty much the first corner. It's really bad luck for them, of course. And as I said, it's going to have cost them an absolute fortune to have brought both of those cars racing and not even to get halfway through the race. Yeah, so a terrible day for Alpine. And uh, they really want to try and nail it this weekend in Belgium. Uh, because before the break, they really want to try and finish a race, I think, at this point. Uh, Lando Norris was a winner, of course. Uh, he came second, I suppose. Uh, but a great race day for him. You know, he was never really going to compete with Max Verstappen and that Red Bull, but uh, managed to beat the entire rest of the grid, uh, including his teammate, who did come out ahead of a little bit in that pit stop right near the beginning of the race, uh, resulting in him overtaking his teammate and uh, Oscar Piastri fell as a result as well. But Norris himself uh, managed to win uh, him, well, managed to be a winner of the day, coming second for McLaren. A great race for him, uh, though he did break Max Verstappen's trophy. But, I mean, a great race for him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a great race for him, uh, despite the fact that he did break €40,000 trophy. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be quite happy with his performance. Two podiums in a row. Uh, I think now that he has tasted the champagne yet again, he, he kind of knows that it's possible with this car. They downplayed their their possible performance for this weekend. I was saying from the beginning that they did have the pace to do well here. I think they're going to be quite rapid out in Spa. And uh, a team that was dubbed to have, yeah, a team that was dubbed to have had a, uh, a, um, a, a, um, sorry, you threw me off there. It's just a team that was dubbed to have had a bit of pace this weekend, but uh, turned not to be and was a loser of the weekend was Aston Martin. Um, yeah, Alonso had this to say about his weekend and with Aston Martin. He said, we were not quick enough to challenge anyone in front. We didn't have any threats from behind. So three points, ninth and tenth was the maximum today. Uh, yeah, not looking good for Aston Martin, who started the season so well. And we're thinking Alonso could try and do something, but just not seemingly going well. They've got lots of work to do in that break, I think, coming up. Yes, I certainly think they're going to have to work on a few upgrades for that car because they are just falling off the pace a bit. I mean, I did say, though, that with these new tyres that Pirelli brought from Silverstone, the biggest losers on those sets of tyres is that Aston Martins. And I'm quite disappointed to see that, of course, because they've been having a brilliant season so far. And they have just started falling away in the past, in the past few races. Uh, hopefully they can just get to the bottom of it in the winter break. Hopefully we'll start seeing uh, some improvements from the next race out in Spa as well. Uh, not very long until we do get racing in Spa, I think. That is one of my favorite tracks of the season, and it's going to be quite an exciting race. Yeah, Spa is coming up this weekend. You can catch it here on Favor Motorsports uh, with me and Reese. We'll be doing it yet again. We had a great weekend uh, this last weekend out uh, in Hungary. Let's hopefully have a great weekend coming up as well in Belgium. So uh, we move on to some other news, and that's still with Red Bull. And the fact that, uh, you know, there's been some revelations and some uh, understandings released in the last week with regards to cost caps. Uh, being breached in the 2022 season. Um, and there's three major teams that are going to be announced before the break. So that's going to be sometime during this week that they're going to be announcing what's going to happen there. 
And uh, that's to do with uh, breaking the budget cap for 2022. Though Christian Horner says the team was several million below the F1 cost cap in 2022. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all up in the air because the three rumoured teams to have uh, breached that cost cap were Red Bull, Aston Martin, and I do believe the third one was McLaren? McLaren or Mercedes. Yeah. There's a, a few, well, unknown still at this point. They are saying we might find out before the summer break or during the summer break. I certainly hope we find out sooner than that. Already Christian Horner, though, going on defensive, saying his team was multiple million under that cost cap. Uh, I'm sure he'll be hoping so because they don't want to get another penalty like they have had this year. Indeed. And uh, he went and uh, on an interview and uh, was talking about all of the budget caps for 2022. Of course, the cap for 2022... Uh, was a hundred and forty million dollars. Uh, and of course, the cap is going a little bit down each year. But he said this. He said last year, Max Verstappen damaged one front wing, and Checo had a crash in Montreal. And again, we had a very limited amount of development on the car. Uh, so we were several million below the cap last year, and because of accident, because accident damage and development. They're huge costs, and they had very few of them, of course. Uh, he said, obviously, this year, the biggest handicap we have is the lack of wind tunnel time. It's significantly less runs in a week than any of our competitors, so we have to have uh, be very disciplined on where we focus our development. Uh, and then also asked about his thoughts, uh, who people think Red Bull haven't been punished enough this year after breaching the cost cap in 2021. Horn answered this, believe me, the lack of wind tunnel time we have compared to our competitors is a massive compromise. If wind tunnels don't count, why didn't we? Why don't we get rid of them? Uh, he says, it's easy to throw shade when you're not performing. It's one of the things that in F1 that will always continue to happen. I'm just incredibly proud of the job that our team is doing with the constraints and handicap we have to be performing at the level we have this year. Yeah, so yeah, uh, Christian Horner very defensive, saying it's absolutely not Red Bull, and saying we have no issues here. So, trying to I think kill the story before it starts, but uh, yeah, still up in the air. They still reckon Red Bull might have been one of those teams. Yes, I mean they'll certainly be as they were last year, quick to to try and squash those rumors. Uh, hopefully for them at least, it, it isn't them that has breach those cost cap uh, the FIA also being quite quick to try and squash those rumors before they make an official press release they did the same though last year so there's no hiding really uh, when there's smoke there's normally fire in Formula One so we do expect to at least see two to three teams breaching that cost cap hopefully we will hear quite quite soon from the FIA yeah, and uh, Wolf has also been uh, speaking to the media with regards to uh, the cost cap. And he says, we need to stop any breach of the cost cap. And the Total Wolf, when an interview, said this. They came back with tons of questions to lots of teams, and that shows how robust the process is, which is good. This is, of course, uh, talking about... Um, communicating with teams about their submissions. He said, strong auditors are beneficial for F1. We need to stop any kind of unintentional or, un or intentional breach of the cost cap. It's like technical and sporting regulations. The big teams have thousands of people and various projects, uh, commercial and non-commercial. For us, it's a bit easier because we have everything in one entity. The employees are all in one place and you can see where they have been attributed. Uh, it becomes more complex when you have more variety of subsidiaries. I've never been shy of saying that, uh, saying, saying with the 2026 regulations, we should get rid of that overall, of all of that overall, uh, with regards to you know, 
budget caps and otherwise. Uh, in the real world, it's quite a challenge because we are making revenue and money with our engineering projects. That means we cannot assign a person who is working in F1, not even for a minute, into non-F1. But I think it's the right thing to do for the sport to say this is F1 and this is not F1 uh, with regards to separating the different uh, stuff. And uh, the moment someone spends 10 seconds on an F1 project, you should be fully in F1. That's the way we need to go. So yeah, being very, very adamant on uh, holding on to the cost cap regulations and uh, being stringent in that regard with, for most teams. So surely Mercedes, uh, if they do live by that, aren't one of the teams that's uh, breached the cost cap. Yes, just reading the FIA's response, though, to, to that cost cap breach, uh, well, fake news pretty much because they haven't even finished their or concluded their findings. Uh, in their response, they said, we'd like to reiterate the ongoing process preceding financial regulation certification for the teams, none of which have been informed of their certification status. So none of the teams even know if they have broken the cost cap just yet. The auditing fieldwork is still ongoing and is scheduled to conclude in the upcoming weeks, after which there will be a period requ required for the finance finalization of the review. Um, yeah. So still some time needed to even come to a, an actual conclusion over all of the reviews uh, of the 2022 cost cap. So, yeah, I, I think it is just fake news at this point. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with regards to that. And, uh, you know, we'll see whether or not teams did uh, breach that cost cap. But if they did, of course, we're going to see similar sort of penalties that we saw on Red Bull uh, for this season. Uh, we'll see that in the 2024 season which is of course next year uh but we've still got a few races before then so nobody's really going to take too many hits uh for the remainder of the season but uh, we pretty much know red bull's going to win uh, the constructors championship so it's all about who comes second at this point in time now moving on to the rest of the season there's something else interesting that we can talk about and it's, i suppose um something we don't think about and that we have to think about now that we're in las vegas this year uh, the circuit in Las Vegas, of course, goes right down all of the famous landmarks and right down the strip, uh, going past many, many tall high-rise buildings, hotels, and otherwise. And I've got an article here from Crash.net, uh, which goes and says, F1 threatens obstructions and barricades unless Las Vegas hotels pay to view the Grand Prix. So with all these uh, hotels being within you know, viewing distance of the Grand Prix, a lot of people might well just book a hotel room that's got a window looking out to the track and say, you know what, that's me watching Formula One. It's a great seat in the house up here watching People it. People do the same thing in Monaco, but I don't understand why they'd want to block that. Um, how are you going to set up a barricade high enough to block the high rises in Las Vegas? It's certainly not going to work. Well, you know what they might do? They might ask and request and uh, d demand that... Um, all of the uh, hotels go and put uh, screens on the windows. Maybe they have to stop anybody from uh, looking outside through their windows. So they, they Gosh, I don't think you can do that. Things. I think that that's a bit too far uh, in terms of legality. I think the, the hotels would certainly have a, a foot to stand on in terms of that. I mean, it's their property. They don't have to block windows, surely, for, for people racing on the streets. But yeah, in this article here, it says uh, a new row has been kicked off in Formula One ahead of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. The Vegas hotel and casino owners are claiming their views of the circuit will be intentionally blocked by F1 unless they agree to pay massive sums of money for the license to watch it, the New York Post has reported. Uh, the Vegas Grand Prix is set for November 18th and is perhaps the standout date on the 2023 F1 calendar. Venues in Vegas that overlook the circuit will be charged $1,500 per person or face obstructions like barricades, stands, and light stanchions 
blocking their views, the report states. They are literally shaking people down, saying they will obstruct views unless they pay them. An anonymous casino owner was quoted. Uh, it seems insane that they are asking money for a public event that is taking place in the streets. A different source was quoted. There is a real chance of obstructing views with stands and barricades. I know the hotels are upset about it, and they are trying to figure out if they'll play along. Of course, I'm sure this is a I little bit of clickbait, but you know, it could be interesting I if mean, that actually is the case. Coming from a, an event background like I do, I mean, these things are normally planned well in advance, uh, especially the placements of grandstands. So you would think that it's not something that they could put strategically to block the hotels. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's much truth to the story but if it is true that is a bit um yeah opportunistic from those formula one organizers who are of course possibly organizing this race in vegas i don't think it has much to do from from actual formula one group maybe it's more organizers of the vegas race indeed and uh yeah we've got towards uh closing out the f1 podcast for the week reese uh what other news have you been seeing for the last week here well, a interesting uh, article from News24, a local South African newspaper here, is just saying McLaren must be prepared to thwart off poachers as Lando Norris's Formula One stock rises. It's a very good uh, title for sure because Lando Norris is becoming quite a bit of hot commodity in the Formula One driver market. A lot of teams supposedly penning him down for a pre-season or a, a pre-contract with them, at rumors of him being in a pre-contract with Red Bull, with Ferrari. Uh, of course, it's all rumors at this point. But I think there is going to be quite a lot of uh, interest in signing him to, to a good performing team. Of course, McLaren are, are starting to show some great pace out on track, so he'll be happy with where he is at the moment but say if the likes of a mercedes or a red bull jump at giving him an offer what 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 would you do if you were in lando norris's shoes well, i think the thing is right now that he's he's got mclaren's team seems to have improved dramatically and he's in a very competitive car right now I mean, he came second two weekends in a row now uh so that's exactly what <laughs> zach brown said so, so why would he leave it says, yeah it says here uh Zach Brown, in uh, response to how to keep Lando Norris at McLaren, he said, I think the way you keep Norris is you give him a good race car. He loves the team. He believes in the team. And he was a bit frustrated at the start of the season, as we all were, of course. But now he's finished second, uh, second for the second time. Uh, as long as we keep doing that, I think he'll stick around. Yeah, and that's exactly Which, I think it's true. Yeah, it's exactly that. So if McLaren can uh, maintain and continue to be a competitive team uh, on the track, then Lando Norris doesn't really need to go anywhere. He can be the post boy, especially considering the likelihood of him going to Red Bull is very unlikely. You know, he he likes to think of himself as a number one driver. Going to Red Bull, you've got Max Verstappen there. It's unlikely that you're going to be favoured over him, so it's going to be quite difficult there. You might get a situation with a lot of infighting. Red Bull might not see uh, a point in that. Um, but if you should move to any other team, you're thinking, why? Because Ferrari are certainly worse off than McLaren at the moment. McLaren's car clearly quicker than the, than the Ferrari in the last couple of Grand Prix. Ferrari absolutely nowhere for the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, So Ferrari's not a team that he'd be considering. Mercedes have got two very strong drivers that don't look like they're going to be replaced anytime soon. Lewis Hamilton rumored to have uh, accepted a two-year extension to his contract. So you know, I don't see Lando Norris leaving McLaren. 
No, certainly he looks quite comfortable there for the time being. I wouldn't expect him to to run away from there all just yet, as they are seeming to to ramp up a little bit uh, more in terms of their pace. And uh, any other news you've got for the last week here? Um, I'm just looking for something on Ferrari. Uh, I think we should just speak about them maybe for a little bit. We haven't spoken well, about, can, about I can tell you, much. I can tell you about it was what I think. a very disappointing <laughs> race yesterday, of course. I'm still so confused as to why they did not swap Charles Leclerc and Science, Carlos right Sainz at the beginning. in the beginning stages. Yes, Carlos Sainz was on a set of softs uh, running a completely different race to Charles Leclerc running on a mediums for his first stint. Yeah, I think it was just a bit of a fast from Ferrari really yesterday. They could have possibly competed for, for that third step on the podium. And their, their strategy as well. I mean, their pit stops were oddly placed yesterday compared to everybody yes. else. They weren't quite uh, matching everybody. They took a little bit longer to get into the pits. Science took way too long to get into the pits. We said that at the time. We said this is a bit of a waste to come into the pits uh, so late. Uh, and uh, then Leclerc also had a mare of a pit stop. Uh, his first pit stop was a 9.4 second pit stop. Terrible. Which basically yeah, ruined his race as well. Yeah, off the, the rear left, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ferrari, come on, please. <laughs> we <laughs> just know. want to see some closer racing, guys. We don't want to see you making stupid strategic issues uh, for your drivers. And I mean, I think we heard Charles Leclerc getting super frustrated once again with his, his pit wall because they're just making bad decisions. Yeah, and I, I suppose, you know, we talk about Lando Norris possibly moving on to places and we're thinking actually genuinely it's unlikely because McLaren seem to be doing things right at the moment. But Charles Leclerc must surely be thinking, why am I staying at Ferrari at this point in time? Yes, I mean, he is still a young racing driver in the prime of his career. Of course, he still has a lot to learn. Uh, and I think last season proved that at the fact that he isn't as consistent over the entire race season uh, when you are fighting for a championship. And we did see those crashes and mistakes from him. But that's what you get from a young racing driver who's who's still learning how to fight for championships. I mean, he's done it in the other formulas, but Formula One is a completely different game. Uh, we want to see him getting more opportunities to fight for a championship, though, not getting sent to the therapist by Ferrari. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, I mean... Ferrari just need to just just need to sort their, their 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 rubbish out. They really do. It's just it's shocking. It's not good enough. They're a team that certainly Sad. has the backing from most of the world to do well, and they're just not doing well. I just certainly hope they fix things before next season because I want to see a competitive season next season. We keep saying this, but surely, surely, twenty twenty four will be better for everyone, including that of Ferrari. Yes, and I think we have both just been banned from, from Maranello, Mark, so no, I don't think I'm going to be able no, to go back there again, unfortunately. No, I haven't. <laughs> I, I have they're not. going to have a post about me on their, on their front wall saying, do not let this man in. <laughs> Ugh, I, I doubt it very much. We, we love Ferrari. We, love, we just we want do. them to do of better, course of course. Do. They've been useless. Just be better. That's what we want to see. Uh, but, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the F1 podcast for this week. You've been joined by me and Reese, of course. Be sure to subscribe to the channel, like the future videos, and turn on notifications so you can see all future uploads on the channel. Uh, you've been watching Forever Motorsports. Red Bull, of course, breaking that record 12 wins in a row. Now, can they do it in Spa in, in Belgium? Uh, join us on Thursday as we preview it, of course. And, uh, guys, have a great week further. We'll bring you news as we see it otherwise. But we'll see you this weekend for the Grand Prix in Belgium.